Hey everybody, welcome back to Wrestling Wild Black. Folks, if I told you I had an award-winning person on today, a man uh, whose ilk and just the cloth that he's cut from is absolutely amazing, um, you guys would be surprised. But yeah, we do on this podcast. We have award-winning folks. Um, a gentleman that I just have the utmost respect for and one of the most talented men by far in the pro wrestling world, I want to give a hearty welcome to Mr. Gerard Bonner. Mr. Barna, how you doing, sir? I'm great, brother. How are you, man? Man, I'm just blessed to have you on. So <laughs> just super wow. pumped. Um, yeah, it's just a lot been going on. We've got our audience in the UK getting bigger and Canada. I love it. And yeah, man, it's just going good for you as well. So let's just hop right into it, actually. So very let's recently, go. you and your commentary partner won a prestigious award from the Georgia Wrestling History Commentary Team of the Year 2021. I really want to get into that. Um, let's start there and then work our way back, which is so crazy. I love throwing curveballs when I do interviews. But um, talk about this award and, and um, the process that got you actually even into this. And my, people don't even know how, how – a lot of times people see award ceremonies and stuff like the Grammys and things like that. But they're like, how do these things even happen? Talk about that and um, your entrance in this. Is this your first entrance? So it's interesting. The, the Georgia Wrestling History Awards have been going on since like 2006, seven, somewhere around there. And really the whole design of it is much like the Grammys where the Georgia wrestling community, meaning, you know, folks who are obviously in-ring talent along with producers, bookers, uh, pretty much anybody who's involved in the wrestling industry in the state of Georgia, uh, get the opportunity to be involved in uh, both nominating and voting uh, for this. So it really is a, an award that is designed to honor your peers, mm -hmm. which is a much different scenario than a fan vote, right? And mm -hmm. I think there's certainly a place for fan vote, but, you know, it's kind of like the People's Choice Awards versus the <laughs> Grammy, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and that's, that's no knock to the people, but it is to say that it's a different kind of viewpoint when your peers mm -hmm. are voting for this versus just a fan who may, you know, be akin to like one person more than another. Exactly. So, yeah. So, so that's how the awards came about. Um, in terms of how we ended up getting nominated, it's a really interesting story because um, this particular category, which began in 2011, mm. uh, was initially a combined category. Okay. It was initially a category that encompassed best ring announcer with best commentator. Mm. And so what ended up happening was literally last year, you know, we really kind of, and along with a few other people really started talking to the folks at the Georgia wrestling history Awards to say, Hey, these two categories really should be separate because they're two completely different functions. Mm -hmm. You know, being a ring announcer and being a commentator, two very different talents, two very different skill sets. Mm -hmm. And it's really unfair to both the announcer and the commentator to lump them in together. One of the other things that was going on, uh, certainly during the earlier years of the awards uh, for that particular category, was that there weren't a lot of commentators to really even cause a separation there mm -hmm. weren't as many outlets for uh these wrestling programs because a lot of indie wrestling in georgia is connected to these awards and so you know if you're thinking 2011 2012 2013 you didn't have the proliferation of wrestling available on youtube and and the socials and streaming networks and things of that nature so there was really nowhere uh, or very few places for that commentary to even be heard. Mm. Fast forward to, you know, 2020, 2021, you know, and really we started seeing this in 2016 or so, where now you have more streaming services, uh, more outlets on the internet for lots of wrestling to be seen and heard. Mm -hmm. And so with that, 
a lot of these uh, independent wrestling organizations and spaces in the state of Georgia started to be able to get their product out there, whether it was on TV, local or otherwise, or the internet, there was a place now for commentary to be heard. And so that really started to change the game when they started looking at this particular category. And so uh, last year was the first year that they actually split it between mm-hmm. announcer and commentator. And uh, we were actually nominated last year and we won last year. And uh, we won again this year. So oh, it's, a pretty amazing, <laughs> it's a pretty amazing moment, to be perfectly honest. So, yeah, that's, that's kind of how we, we got there in terms of how we were uh, entered and involved in this whole situation. In terms of how nominations happen, mm-hmm. you know, the, the wrestlers and qualified voters uh, actually nominate whoever they feel like should be in these categories. And then you know, the overall committee kind of whittles it down to whatever the final nomination should be. And so it worked out uh, this year, well, last year um, for the 2020 awards, there were three commentators uh, up for it. It was myself and Brandon as a team for SHW. Uh, John Johnson, who's a real veteran here. And unfortunately, I don't remember the third person. Mm -hmm. Um, And we, and I think, I think that there were people who expected um, other people to win because we were kind of the new kids on the block, so Mm -hmm. to speak. And so uh, when we won, it caught some people off guard, but others it didn't. And one of the things that helped us is that, you know, being a part of Southern Honor Wrestling, our our shows and our content is is available on uh, independentwrestling.tv, IWTV, which is a great streaming service for independent pro wrestling. There are literally over 100 wrestling promotions represented there. And so people, really not just from Georgia, but all across the world, mm-hmm. are able to access you know, what we're doing. And so now as people are listening to that and things are getting out on socials and everywhere else, people are able to hear the quality of our work. And so... That was that. That was then, and that's how that worked. And then this year, um, it was pretty amazing to see us kind of repeat. So that's how we got there. And that's extremely difficult. Oh, you definitely did. And I could tell you're a commentator because the way you answered it was so clear and understandable, and and just the 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 fullness of it. And and we think historically, right, at professional wrestling, the Southeast historically one of the greatest territories and along with the northeast um mm-hmm. and, and in the midwest as well with pro wrestling and of course the west coast too but specifically right. georgia the carolinas and um that region a lot of promotions a lot of indie talent because it's so close to the performance center it's so close mm-hmm. to um you know the aews and, and a lot of those companies of the world and so yeah. um historically even wcw being um out of the southeast so to win a award right. of that to be in this region and to be so well respected and being new kids on the blocks just says yeah. a lot about the quality of work um being Thank put you. in um Thank you. yes of course yeah and so as we traverse to the um, to the uh, kind of like we said, we're going backwards, but kind of forwards. Um, yep. We got the comment. You went in the back to back. Let's talk about Gerard Bonner, right? Where did you grow up? Because I mean, certain voices are special, like your John Madden's, your Jim Ross's, those like Jim Ross's twang, John Madden's Midwest uh, type of um, you know accent. Where did you grow up? Where did you develop your beautiful radio voice? Well, that's very kind of you to say. I appreciate that. Uh, I grew up in a little town called Monticello, New York, Mm -hmm. which is 90 miles northwest of New York City. If we're putting it in wrestling terms, I grew up in WWE country. Mm -hmm. Um, And so literally, you know, being an hour and a half northwest of New York City, we would get WWE programming uh, regularly. In fact, we didn't have NWA programming for a while. I had to go you know, up to Syracuse to, to see, you know, NWA and things like that. But, you know, some of the early voices that I heard, uh, obviously Vince McMahon um, was on commentary back then, mm-hmm. which was pretty wild. But then you also had the Gorilla Monsoons of the world, the Bobby Keenan. And then once I got a taste of the NWA, 
you know, the great Tony Schiavone mm-hmm. and uh, Gordon Soley mm-hmm. and a young Jim Ross, mm-hmm. you know, got to hear all of those voices. And then you had world-class championship wrestling out of Texas, mm-hmm. which would end up on ESPN. Mm-hmm. So I get to hear, you know, some of those voices as well. So it was a lot of those kinds of voices. Plus I was always interested in radio. Mm-hmm. Um, Always, always, always. And so, you know, I was I was a kid in sixth grade who was trying out, you know, for the PA announcements in middle school. Like, that was me. <laughs> really? <laughs> oh, my gosh, yes. That's dope. Yes, absolutely. And so, you know, I, I got that and was, was kind of the voice of the school for that type of thing. So, oh, for yeah. me, it's always been, you know, a thing where I have loved um, utilizing my voice in those spaces, whether it was radio or, you know, obviously wrestling being the, the dream job of all of them. Um, but yeah, it started in a little town in New York City, or not in New York City, because they killed me. It's not New York City. <laughs> it's in Monticello, which is in the Catskill Mountains, mm-hmm. about 90 miles northwest of New York City. That's where I grew up. Wow. So at a young age, sixth grade, already have the general idea of wanting to do something so fantastic. Well, let's continue down this path of your commentary journey. We we learned about you growing up, like you said, 90 miles north of the city in a wonderful town, the, the voice where it was honed of Mr. Gerard Bonner. Talk about that transition from middle school, high school, college. Did did it follow you through college? Did you do some some maybe some small radio stuff? Did you do big radio stuff? And talk about how we get you to pro wrestling and and winning back to back. I mean, commentators commentators of the year. That's a that's a big gap from sixth grade to here. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it is a big jump. Um, you know, so certainly in in college, obviously for me, things like getting into radio was a super big deal because mm-hmm. it's. It, kind of like getting into wrestling, you don't always know how. And so a lot of it is trying to, to get access, get that foot in the door and things of that nature. So for me, um, it's interesting. My, my, my journey started into radio um, in the two, like 2007 or so. Kind of how it happened. I have to go back to coming out of college. Mm-hmm. Coming out of college, I uh, met with, uh, four great friends from across the country. This is like literally during the start of the boom of the internet. Mm-hmm. And we connected and we found out that we all had an incredible love for music, mm-hmm. uh, specifically gospel music or faith-based music. And so mm-hmm. we decided we were going to create something that hadn't been created yet. This is 97, 98. Okay. We decided to have uh, kind of a news outlet specifically designed around the genre of gospel music. Mm. And so it was called gospelflavor.com. Mm. And uh, it was really a, it was something that nobody had ever seen at that point for this genre of music. And so this obviously predated and it wasn't a salacious type of scenario. So we're not talking shade room or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. We're talking about legit news, Um, you know, and the ins and outs, new releases, covering recordings, all that kind of stuff. So why that's important is because fast forward to 2005, 2006, I'm in Virginia Beach and uh, I'm at a live recording for Donnie McClurkin, who some of you may have heard of, Mm -hmm. big name in gospel music. And I meet a couple of people from radio who were familiar with my work at Gospel Flavor. Mm. So they wanted me to come on to radio to do kind of a 15 minute music news set. Mm -hmm. So I go on there the first day I'm there, you know, calls are coming in. It literally turns to a two hour set. I'm like, (laughs) what in the world is going on here? (laughs) So needless to say, they loved it. They loved it to the point where they would invite me back, you know, to do kind of a weekly thing. And then that would ultimately move into me co-hosting their morning show. Oh wow! So I would co yeah I would co-host the morning show. We would end up winning several awards, you know, for radio station of the year and all that type of thing. Fast forward to two thousand nine, uh, I ended up parting ways with that station. But everything that I had learned, mm-hmm. you know, I learned how to work the board. I had learned to produce my own, you know, commercials and promos and you know all of this kind of thing. And so that led me to ultimately launching my own internet radio station called Bonnerside Radio. Oh. That was in 2009. Mm-hmm. And so what I looked to do then 
was to, again, kind of create something that wasn't out there. I like to call it a hybrid station. Mm -hmm. Um, Because when I think about when people listen to music, most people don't just listen to one genre of music. Mm -hmm. You listen to a lot of stuff. If you pull up, you know, whatever's playing in your Spotify playlist right now, you know, it's likely not just one genre. It's a little of this, a little of that, and a little of the other. So I wanted to create a station that did that, Mm -hmm. that ended up being a safe place where you could come, you could get inspiration, you can hear old school music, you can hear everything from jazz to hip hop and everything in between. And you wouldn't have to worry about your kids not being afraid to listen to it because they'll hear something grossly inappropriate. Mm -hmm. So we created that station in 2009. And because of the work I had done in Gospel Flavor and uh, with that FM radio station then, you know, we ended up kind of pioneering internet radio in a gospel and inspirational type of space, mm. uh, which then led to kind of an entire career in that element of the world. So wow. it was it was really nuts. You know, we <laughs> met a lot of people, worked with a ton of people, and because of what we were doing, you know, we were we were rocking with everybody from Kirk Franklin to Lecrae to PJ Morton, Avery Sunshine, Lettucey, Faith Evans, like all of these people yeah. were incredibly familiar with us. And it was just a wild, wild ride. Mm-hmm. And so all of that would ultimately lead me from Virginia Beach to Atlanta. Wow. And it was here in Atlanta mm-hmm. where ultimately I would finally get a shot to do some work in pro wrestling. Wow. And uh, the story of it is really crazy. Let's so do it, baby. Time. This okay. is this so, is this is a special episode. Let's get it. <laughs> so here's how it goes. Um, my wife had gotten me a birthday present, which was kind of a 10 pack of uh, sessions to DDPY, which is Diamond Dallas Page's yoga studio yes. here in Atlanta. So I go there. It's uh 2018, 2019. Mm-hmm. And um, matter of fact, it's February 2019. I go, um, I'm enjoying things like it's really cool. I start seeing flyers, you know, for some wrestling that's happening. And I see it and like I don't see it, right? Mm-hmm. And then I'm talking to some folks and they're telling me like, yeah, we got this Southern Honor thing happening. And I'm like, okay, this sounds interesting. I want to go to a show. I like to see how I get involved. Uh, strangely enough, I was supposed to go to the show that happened in May of 2019. Mm-hmm. And I didn't go because my wife, uh, my wife was due. Okay. Like she was set to have our baby was coming in May. Mm-hmm. And all I could see myself doing was being at a wrestling show and my son being born like that just wasn't going to work. Right. Yeah. (laughs) So so I didn't go. That was the show that set the internet on fire because AEW had just gotten started and they were just getting ready to do double or nothing. They were kind of doing a tour of the Indies Mm -hmm. and their last stop was a surprise stop at Southern honor. Oh, wow. And it was, and it was, Chris Jericho, Cody Rhodes, Kenny Omega, and like the place went nuts. Wow. So mind you, after all this happens, I'm back at uh, DDPY because the baby comes, all that jazz. And so I just said, well, I'm going to go to a couple of shows. Yes. And so the first show I went to was in September of 2019. It was amazing. I was hooked. Mm-hmm. So uh, FHW does we do our shows uh, every first Friday. Mm-hmm. So I go back for the October show, the November show. In the November show, I noticed I met the uh, color commentator, Luke Brandon, and at the time, he was by himself. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, kind of, where's your, where's your partner? And he's like, well, he's not here tonight. And I said, well, hey, listen, if you ever need any help, I'll be more than happy to, to fill in. Now, Backstory on me, I'm not usually that bold. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm usually kind of the, you know, I don't want to upset the apple cart, that type of thing. But, mm-hmm. you know, I took my two seconds and I was that bold and I did that. Mm-hmm. I did not think that anybody paid attention to it. Mm-hmm. I really didn't. I, you know, you know how convention talk is. Yeah, sure. Right. And I'm like, okay, fine. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, we had done uh, an episode of our wrestling podcast, The Faction, 
um, on the heels of the October SHW show. And we did it kind of just to review the show. Mm-hmm. The folks at SHW heard it, loved it, made it required listening for everybody at SHW. Oh, wow. I was shocked. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay. So November show. We moved to the December show, which I had already bought tickets for. Had a crazy day that day. And so I was like, yeah, no, I need to go to the show. I go to the show. I get there at 730. Show starts at 8. When I walk in the door, I met by the booker, Dylan Freimeyer. And Dylan is like, we have been trying to get a hold of you all day. Oh, I'm wow. like, what's going on? <laughs> and then he says this, you want to do commentary tonight. Mm. And so <laughs> before, before I can think, Mm-hmm. The immediate answer is yes. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Now, now after, after I said that, then I'm like, I don't remember what the card is. Mm. I don't re- like what is what is happening. Mm-hmm. I'm not dressed for this. Mm. None of this. Wow. So, I mean, I literally have a hoodie and a pair of jeans on because I'm coming to watch the show. Yeah. So they walk me in, take me to the commentary booth and uh, <laughs> literally it's 15 minutes before the show, oh I meet God. Brandon. We're talking. The owner, Gary Lamb, comes to me and he says, Hey, listen, if you do a great job tonight, the job is yours. Oh, so pressure. Don't, <laughs> so don't suck. Right? Yeah. And I was like, uh, Okay. <laughs> and so literally, I'm texting my good brother from the fat kid. Uh, shout out to Courtney Beard, Brandon Clack, John Murray. And I'm like, Guys, <laughs> this is happening. And they are like going nuts. They're like, do it. You got this, you know? Mm-hmm. So we're on eight o'clock and the first match happens and, you know, it literally feels like it's something I've been doing my whole life. It becomes literally as natural as drinking water. Wow. 15 and, minutes um, before the show. Just, yeah, that's it. And Brandon, <sighs> after the first match, he looks at me and he's like, Oh, we got something. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> we got something. And literally that night, you know, I'm in the back and uh, they're doing some some promo interviews and things of that nature. And Dylan and Gary asked Brandon, they're like, so how was he? And he was like, oh, no, this guy's good. And they're like, do you want the job? I'm like, yes. Wow. And that's how it happened. Wow. And then there was the snowball effect. That mm-hmm. was December 2019. By January 2020, all of a sudden, we've got a deal on IWTV. These shows are now starting to go out to the whole world. And I'm going, what mm-hmm. just happened here? Wow. And away we go. And, and that's how I got in the commentary world. Wow. Just stay ready. You don't have to, they say, say something, but you don't have to get ready. If you, if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready or something like that. Let, right? let, let's talk about that for a second, yeah. though. Because I started thinking about it, and I have a I have a really bad habit. If I get into something new, mm-hmm. I kind of treat myself like I'm the new guy, mm-hmm. right? Like it's a whole new thing. And then I started being reminded, Gerard, you've literally been preparing for this your entire life. Mm-hmm. You know, I started a wrestling podcast literally four years before mm-hmm. where all we did was talk about wrestling. That was preparation. But I can go all the way back to when I was a kid. When I was a kid, I was the guy who had the wrestling figures, had the wrestling ring. I'm playing with the wrestling figures in the ring, and I'm commentating then at nine years old. Wow. So I started realizing that you're really being prepared for these things long before you ever walk into them. Oh, yeah. So that when you walk into them, it becomes that easy. But the thing is, it just doesn't always look like it, you know? So I had no idea when I was in school playing with my pencils and pens, you know, using them for wrestling matches, oh, yeah. that that would lead me to this. But I can look back now as hindsight being 2020 mm-hmm. and you see, man, I was being prepared for this my whole life. Oh yeah. You know what I used to yeah. do with my wrestlers? I'm going to tell you something so corny, bro. Yeah. <laughs> so corny. So, you know, the gum. Okay. So for people who don't chew gum like that, the generation, this generation, mm-hmm. I don't know what they do, but, um, <laughs> Right. <laughs> you know, but back in the day with the Wrigley gum, you remember mm-hmm. there was a foil portion and there was also a white paper portion that wrapped around the foil. Remember that? Absolutely. I do. So what I would do is draw r- bodies onto the white paper portion, like the abs, wow. the, the pecs, the whole thing. 
And I would have them, the white, after I drew the bodies, I would have them fight each other. Wow. I would use the foil portion of it as a championship belt. So the little really? paper guys would wrestle each other. In it. Yeah, so I would That's have awesome. all types of matches, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's awesome, man. I love that. Yeah. I love that. So when you talk about the pins, there were some epic uh, WrestleMania moments with pins as well. <laughs> yeah, um, absolutely. <laughs> sponsored by Bic. Um, yeah. yeah. So, so as we go further... We, now we know the journey. You get ready. You, you're one of the premier organizations in the Southeast, if not all independent wrestling, right? Yeah. Talk about, we un, again, like I said, mentioned earlier, we talked about John Madden. We talked about a Jim Ross, Tony Schiavone, Vince McMahon. We've talked about these, uh, Gordon Sully. Talk about how commentary is so important in the experience of professional wrestling right we understand the wrestlers we understand the people that own the organizations but let's because we hear a lot of people understand jim ross being the sound of their childhood the attitude era but let's really contextualize how important good quality commentary is in pro wrestling product especially on television let's talk about that what makes it why is it so important you know it, it, it is the thing that really Honestly, it separates good organizations from great organizations. You know, you can watch what's happening in the ring, but it gives you context to what you're watching. It helps you understand why what's happening in the ring is important and getting the backstory in terms of why these two guys are fighting. It was interesting. Someone came up to me not long ago at one of our shows. He was interested in commentary and he was asking me questions like, you know, how do I get in, et cetera, et cetera. One of the things that I told him was the thing with commentary is you're telling a story. And in telling the story, you have to be able to relate what's going on to an incredible group of people who are wildly diverse, right? Mm -hmm. So in doing that, you have to be able to not just know wrestling. You got to know a bunch of other things, too, to pull on those types of things. Mm -hmm. So for me, as much and I and I can go with great wrestling history like any. I mean, like my wrestling knowledge in terms of history is pretty bad. Yeah. But the thing is, I could pull on that. But if, if a new person is watching and they don't have familiarity with that, then I have to find something else to pull on. Mm -hmm. And so that pull could be you know, what's going on in pop culture. That pull could be family relationships. Mm -hmm. That pull could be almost anything. And so it's really having enough of a vast knowledge to pull from all of those things and make it cohesive so that it is a story that people understand. People often talk about the wrestlers in the ring being storytellers, but the commentators don't get enough credit because they are the ones who are the storytellers that are making what the wrestlers do in the ring make sense from to, to the person who's a novice to the super experienced person. Mm -hmm. And that's the real difference maker in commentary. Think about it. If you go, I hear this all the time from people who go to live wrestling matches and they all say, I wish I had commentary in my ear mm -hmm. because it's a completely different experience when you're hearing somebody lead you and guide you along the way and help you understand some things that you might not have considered. Uh, and, th and that really adds a lot to the story that you're already seeing in the ring. So I think commentary is of incredible importance. And what people don't understand is it happens in every sport. Mm -hmm. You have commentary in baseball, in basketball, in football, in soccer, in golf, for crying out loud, mm -hmm. right? Every sport has that. Because there is the need to add backstory. There is the need, the need to show the relevance of what's happening in front of them and why there should be buy-in to it. It's completely different if you turn the volume off and just watch. You don't uh, get emotionally invested as you do when the volume is on and somebody's telling you a great story. I, you know what? And I agree with you 100%. I've gone to a pro basketball, a, a, a pro baseball game. I've mm -hmm. gone to a pro football game. 
And yeah. when you're watching, it literally is just watching people run into each other and throwing. And again, yeah. you don't have, like you said, you don't have the feeling, the motion, the pictures not being painted. And right. while you are enjoying your favorite team, it always is like, to me, it's like, you know what? I should just get an app and listen to, you know, the commentary while they're playing. I don't know if there's a such thing of an app that does that, but, um, it's like, yeah, it's, it's a big difference. It's like you enjoy the game, but you don't really feel and, and, and get the full story. That's right. That's right. And you, I agree. So for those people, okay, so let's talk about the hardest part of commentary. We understand you're, okay. you're contextualizing the experience in the ring. You're telling yeah. the story. You're guiding us through the experiences, yeah. the, maybe the rivalry, the history. But talk about the hardest part because most people are like, oh, I mean, I could talk about wrestling while it's going live. I mean, let's kind of just go. But what is the most hardest thing that most people would never get when it comes to commentary? Here, here's something that people don't necessarily consider. They don't consider that you don't, it, much like radio, you don't want to have a thing called dead air, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and people don't realize that when you talk, you naturally pause, particularly if you don't have something to say. Um, and the problem, is, particularly if you're trying to commentate, is you start to realize, oh, snap. I have to talk through the entire match Mm -hmm. and not just the entire match, but the entire show. (laughs) Okay. So it it is a different kind of skill set. And the thing is you can't say the same thing all the time. (laughs) You, 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 You can't because then it becomes boring. It becomes unpredictable and think of it like music. You don't want to hear the same lyrics over and over and over. If a rapper does an album, and he has 10 tracks, and he has the same thing he says in every ten, every single track, you're not going to want to hear it by track three. Oh, no. Yeah, definitely. You, you know what I mean? So, so our job is to be diverse. Our job also is, and, and for some people this is harder than others, my job is not to put myself over. Mm-hmm. My job is to put the talent over and to stay focused on what's happening in the ring, understand moves, understand, you know, how this relates to everything else, tell a backstory to make it make sense. And it's thinking about a lot of those things on the fly. Mm. There's no script mm. for this, right? So that's, that's another challenging piece. Like, you know, for some people, it's just easy to read off of the paper, but it's unpredictable. And I'll, I'll tell you one of my secrets. Um, and I, and I learned this from a silent mentor who I wish he knew he was my mentor, but he obviously doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but I learned this from Jim Ross. Jim Ross said something and he said this, you know, I don't ever want to know what the plan is for a match. Mm-hmm. I don't want to know. I want to be surprised so that the reactions you hear are authentic. Mm-hmm. And that's my big, for me, I, everybody knows don't, tell him anything they all know don't don't no don't we'll move i'll i'll get up and leave a conversation (laughs) or some i will do it Mm -hmm. because for me because the way my mind is wired particularly Mm -hmm. with pro wrestling if i hear something i can't forget it Mm -hmm. (laughs) i can't forget it so it's like and for me it's like i don't want to sit trying to anticipate a particular spot because it doesn't feel the same Mm -hmm. as opposed to let me be, because for me, when I talk, I'm going to, I'm going to represent a lot of things at one time. I'm going to represent an authority. I'm going to represent a storyteller, but I'm also going to represent a fan. Mm-hmm. So a fan is going to get excited if they hear me get excited. It's almost like, you know, when you're watching a movie, certain types of music help determine your mood for that particular scene. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, if you're hearing some lighthearted music, that it's a fun time, or maybe if you hear nice strings, it's going to be a romantic thing. But then if the music turns dark, you know, Jason's around the corner, Mm -hmm. you know? So for me, I kind of look at commentary in that same way. We are the the soundtrack that will help lead, you know, the viewer in terms of how they should react. Mm -hmm. So if we aren't surprised in moods, they aren't going to be surprised in moods. Mm -hmm. But if they hear us, and here's the thing, if we're surprised, they should be surprised. It kind of leads them in terms of, of how they should react and respond, you know, and, and you have to do it authentically. Cause the other thing is 
if a fan can see something coming a mile away <laughs> mm-hmm. and then you want to be super surprised, no, don't insult the fans that way. Mm-hmm. They can see it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's for me, in terms of the hard things, managing all of that and being able to do it naturally, that is not a regular skill that most people have. Wow. That is difficult because yeah. I, I think about, um, you know, watching, like you said, the, the greats of all time doing these things. And it's uh, like for me, I love listening to, you know, I'm, I'm from Baltimore, so I love the Orioles. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. And I love listening to Chuck Manfra and um, they just have a great, I forgot the other gentleman's name, but it's a great uh, commentary team. I, I prefer to listen to baseball actually on the radio, to be honest with you. Ah, okay. Um, I get that. Yeah, I like watching the TV. Of course, I want to see the plays, but I love listening right. to it on radio. And to yeah. genuinely be surprised when there's a home run or when there's a hit, it, it is a skill. And to understand what what's appropriate to say, when to say it, and, and, and the hat. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's a lot going on to be it extemporaneous. Is, it, is, it is a lot that's going on. And it's funny because, you know, with so many people hopping into the podcast world, you know, one of the main differences between the podcast world and of course radio, be it live or recorded is again, there are all so many different things to memorize and to, to be able to manage. And in the podcast world, you know, you, you can primarily focus on whatever that specific element of conversation is. And, you know, in some cases, you know, some, some spaces are a little looser than others in terms of whatever their their standards may be, you know, and some are in the shock factor, so they'll <laughs> say whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you, when you know you have a diverse audience, you have to be careful about what you say and you have to remember it. So there are some things you might, you know, you might say in your personal life that you would not say in your professional life. Exactly. You know, there are certain references that you might make in your personal life that you wouldn't make in your professional life. And it's being able to know how to, to flip that switch, know when to do that, and to know what's going to make sense to people. Exactly. And yeah. and that professionalism, that's a lot of things, like you said, with the, the prolifer- proliferation of so many uh, people wanting to get into podcasting and, and everyone has a dream of doing it full time, right? Right, And right. the reality is there is, they're like a like you listen to. Like I'm not necessarily a big fan in terms of the the uh, the subjects, but you have your Howard Stearns. There's a reason sure. why he got paid three hundred million dollars by Sirius Absolutely. XM. There's a reason Absolutely. why you had um, he just passed um, just passed away. He was a great. Uh, he had uh, you know what I love Charlie Rose. I love mm-hmm. um, uh, the the brother Tavis Smiley was amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. But there also was a gentleman. He he wore the suspenders. I forgot his name. Larry King. Um, Larry King. Mm-hmm. There are certain voices. There are certain ways that you, yes. there's a professional level. And no doubt when I listen to everything that you do, especially hearing your, you, because I listen to your podcast reg- regularly. And wow, I you. hold, oh yes, I hold uh, myself to, if my professionalism and my presenting of the product is not to that level, because we, we aim on this podcast, obviously we're fans, but I want the quality of the conversation to be very good. I don't just want to say, yes. well, this person should have pinned this person. No, 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 no. I mean, that's right. cool, but, right, right. but where is the quality of the conversation? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It, it is about uh, certainly raising the level of expectation for people because mm-hmm. to your point, you know, it's like, sure, we could say this one should pin this one and this one should pin that one and blah, blah, blah. But there are levels to this, mm-hmm. right? And I think that people don't often think about the fact that there are levels to this. Mm-hmm. And I'll go so far as to say that, I, you know, this is off the subject, but it's on. One of the real challenges in the world of pro wrestling has been to redefine the expected template of the fan mm-hmm. and of the people working in the business. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons, one of the reasons why Vince McMahon, and I, I hate that he did it, but I understand why he did. He stopped calling the sport pro wrestling and started calling it sports entertainment because he was looking to position this, uh, this entire business into a space where it would be accepted by advertisers and sponsors on Wall Street. Mm-hmm. And he knew that at the time, pro wrestling was being presented in armories and in places where the average consumer wasn't considered to be well-spoken, eloquent, intelligent, well-off, all those types of things. 
Mm-hmm. So he started making changes in language, mm-hmm. in terminology, in presentation to change what the template of the fan would look like for Wall Street, for investors. And for him, the product he created worked. Um, the other piece of it that becomes interesting is there is a, an expectation for some to what a pro wrestling fan looks like, yeah. acts like responds, speaks, et cetera, et cetera. So when people have met me, you know, before becoming a commentator, some would be surprised that I'm a pro wrestling fan. And I was like, why? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's the, it's the expectation that pro wrestling fans behave a certain way. And while some people live down to that stereotype, not everybody does. And exactly. so, you know, the beautiful part about this being the Wrestling with Black podcast mm-hmm. is that I can talk about this element the African-American element mm-hmm. of all of it and, yes. and the way in which many of us were raised. I know the way I was raised. It was that you have to be twice as good to get half as much. Oh yeah. So every day I stepped out of my house, I knew, okay, I have to have my game face on, you know, I have to you know, speak at a couple of levels higher than what people would expect me to oh, yeah. because they have to be able to get past, in some cases, the fact that I'm a black man, to be able to hear and see what I can do. And so for me, you know, being able to do this in the state of Georgia, um, understanding that, you know, everybody is excited that (laughs) that I'm here, Um, but understanding that the level of work that I end up producing Mm -hmm. um, is something that becomes undeniable. And so now it's like, I might want to hate you, but gosh darn it, we got to give you these awards. Because exactly. that's what the people say. Exactly. So, and, and the funny part is, you can't poke holes in it because if you're going to hear our work, you're going to understand, whoa, okay, these guys are good. So one of the things that was said the night that we won the award, which I just, I had to really sit with it because mm-hmm. You know, the people who put the awards together um, are, are guys who have been critical of us and they've been critical of, you know, the rise of SHW and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. And strangely enough, last year when we won the award, they really kind of put somebody else over more than us, even though we won the award. So <laughs> I kind of was, I was aware of that. I knew what that was, et cetera, et cetera. So I knew intentionally we're going to work really hard. What ended up happening was there was a show um, where one of the, the person that some of the folks wanted to win ended up working with us on a show. Mm -hmm. And I knew what was going to happen. Mm. I knew. (laughs) And and so I told Brandon, um, I said to him, I said, listen, you know, what's going to happen here is we're going to do what we do. And this guy is going to gain a whole new level of respect for us. Mm-hmm. And I promise you, he, you know, he was nominated again this year, didn't win, but was on the uh, awards that night. And he told the world, he was just like, I had a chance to sit with these guys. And the level of professionalism was the likes of which I've never seen. I love it. I and uh, love it. it was crazy. And then the other guy said, he said, these two right now, are ready to go onto the set of AEW, WWE, or any other major promotion and fit right in. Yeah. And for me, I was good. I love that. And let's talk. That's our final. That'll be our final portion of this yeah. uh, episode because obviously the quality. First of all, your voice quality is absolutely impeccable. Your your way of explaining and painting the picture is absolutely incredible. The way you dress and present yourself, absolutely incredible. Thank now, you. there's multiple, we have these impacts, NWA, AEW, WWE, Reality Wrestling, we got all the, uh, we got PC, we got all these, Battle Club Pro, we have all these organizations, right? Yeah. What does the future hold for Gerard Bonner? Because in my opinion, if I'm a, a hiring person, if I'm a person who's looking for a new, vibrant voice that is able to present the product in a way that is digestible and, and represents a, a group that has been not necessarily presented all the time, and we don't have a lot of black in, in, in pro wrestling at all, people of Correct. color, uh, I'm mm-hmm. talking specifically black people because we know there's diversity, but yeah. 
there's literally on the major big leagues, to my knowledge, there isn't a well-known, um, you know, a, a, a home, let's just say a, home, uh, a well-known everyday household name uh, of a black person in this position in pro wrestling. So what does that look like for you? And if I'm part of these com- companies and I'm, if I'm listening now, you need to hire Gerard Bonner. I'm going to say it one more time. You need to hire Gerard Bonner. I'm going to say it one more again. You need to hire Gerard Bonner. What wow. do you hope to have in the future? And uh, what's your hope? Well, you know, it's funny that you say that. So it's interesting because, again, to your point, the African-American commentator uh, is a is a rarity. Mm-hmm. You know, literally in WWE, the only person you have is Byron Saxton. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you got Byron Saxton. Uh, there is no one right now in AEW, with the exception of Mark Henry, who does some occasional commentary mm-hmm. on AEW Dark. Um, in Impact, you have D'Lo Brown. Mm-hmm. Um, in uh, Ring of Honor, at least the former Ring of Honor anyway, my good friend Caprice Coleman, um, who's been doing a great job. So uh, we are there, but to your point, I don't think that any of them right now are household names for commentary specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's interesting about all four of those guys is that they're all former wrestlers. Mm-hmm. So it does create an opportunity, I think, for me to be able to bring something to any of these companies that they don't currently have. Mm-hmm. And that is representation from an African-American commentator um, who who's talented. Present, <laughs> thank, thank you for saying that. I appreciate that. Um, and so in terms of where I would like to be, man, listen, I'm open. I'm open to AEW. I'm open to WWE. I'm open to, you know, impact or something like that. Um, you know, for me, I want to be somewhere that would be nationally distributed, that would give us the opportunity to really make waves. And for me, um, I think it's one of the major companies. I really believe, um, that that's one of the next steps for me. Um, and I I just believe it's possible. Uh, it's interesting. I, I haven't even mentioned this part yet, but the, in terms of the commentary award that we won, um, kind of doing the research, I am the first African-American commentator to win that award. Uh-oh, hold up. Um, and you, go. you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Which is crazy. <laughs> like, I just really realized that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason why I mentioned that is because it is something to consider. Mm-hmm. All, you know, when, when, you, when you lay all of this out there, um, and it's the groundwork for something. So where do I want to go? Man, listen, I grew up a WWE guy, so I would be more than honored to, to be there. I love the revolution of AEW. Mm-hmm. Um, and with all of the conversation that's been going on mm-hmm. around AEW and their diversity challenges, one of the things I've learned is this. You cannot address diversity uh, in a company if you're not on the inside. Exactly. So somebody has to be on the inside to be able to say, hey, listen, you know, I'm not just good as a black man doing this. Mm-hmm. I'm good doing this. Period. And so, mm-hmm. period. Mm-hmm. And I think once those places are able to see that, then, you know, they can look past checking off a particular box and, um, and hopefully bring me in to do those kinds of things. And I think need to be done. There's a whole audience out there that's not being reached. Um, I think it's amazing that all of these places will utilize hip hop and utilize urban music, Mm -hmm. but don't have urban voices Mm -hmm. to address Mm -hmm. those types of things accurately. So, you know, I'm going to be able to address everybody. Oh, yeah. I really And WrestleNomics covered that. They talked about the percentage that WWE has when it comes to the black people, people of color, when it comes to the the line share that they have. And AEW definitely has some work to do, just like the Mm -hmm. country as a whole. Um, And so I see that in the immediate future for you. I definitely see that. And if I'm part of any, again, if I'm part of any of these major organizations watching and listening and looking for talent, there is absolutely, and and being that there's so many brands available, whether that's NXT, whether that's the the big show, you know, raw or SmackDown, whether that is AEW dark elevation, et cetera. They have so many products that could use the, that extra oomph, so to speak. You can add that extra polish. Um, NWA is your impacts. You, you, you'll bring a lot, 
of people in. So, um, Mr. Bonner, it's been more than a pleasure to be graced with your talent over on this podcast. And I look forward to the audience continuing to follow you and to supporting Southern Honor Wrestling. So before we let go, let them know where they can follow you and, and all your exploits as well. Absolutely. You can follow me on the socials at Bonnerfied, B-O-N-N-E-R-F-I-D-E. Our podcast is The Faction. You can follow that at The Faction Show on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And you can subscribe to that, which is available on Apple, Google, and Spotify, and all those cool places. For Southern Honor Wrestling, you can follow us on all the socials at Southern Honor Wrestling. Um, On top of that, uh, you can certainly watch our product and listen to the things that we're doing on IWTV, that's inter, uh, independentwrestling.tv, um, which they have an app for pretty much everything, or you can connect uh, online. And uh, it's only $10 a month, which is the old $9.99 for WWE Network. <laughs> but if, uh, if you use the promo code SHW, you can get the first five days for free. And uh, all of our content is on there from day one, through our last show, which is SHW 35. And what's interesting, you can make your own judgment call. I join around SHW 15 or 16, one of those. Um, And so you can go back and listen to, you know, how SHW began to see the progress to where we are now. And uh, it's pretty amazing to see. So, yeah, all things SHW um, at Southern Honor Wrestling Facebook. Instagram at SH, excuse me, at S Honor Wrestling on Twitter. And again, independentwrestling.tv is the streaming service where you can check out all that we're doing. At HW will get you your first five days for free. And thank you, good brother, for this opportunity, man. I, I honor you. I appreciate it, man. And I speak nothing but blessings on this podcast. Oh, Absolutely. yeah. And before we finish yeah. up, me and Gerard will meet, we will be at Terminus. If you ain't there, yes. then you are uh, you square because it's sold out. Um, we got Grisham, who's putting it together with, I think, Baron Black. Um, those right. two gentlemen. Right. Uh, it's in the ATL, the mecca of uh, cultural experience from the African-American experience. So we'll be there and we will have an episode yeah. with that and maybe even get Gerard back on for that to talk about it. Hey, and um, yeah. All right, guys. So thanks for following us on Wrestling Wild Black. Peace. Peace. Hey.